Hello and welcome to your review for the 25th of April 2023. I'm your host as always, Graham McKay, and I'm joined by Michael Beale's favourite analyst that is Christian Wolf. How are you, Christian? Oh, it's Derby Week. On the cynic is starting here. I don't know why I did that voice. I liked it. It was something new. I liked it. You could be, you could be like, see, see in Norway. Okay. This is, yes. this is a tangent right away. In Norway, mm-hmm. do you have the same type of guy for like movies, like the Hollywood voice guy? Do you have like a Norwegian version of that? In a town. That kind of guy. Yeah. I suppose my, my Norwegian popular culture uh, knowledge is getting less and less. Uh, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I think we do. But I, I think a lot of kind of that American shows is obviously it's, it's not dubbed or anything, so you don't mm. like have like the X Factor guy. But m- maybe there is a gap in the market. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But we'll see. I'm not going to take it. So it is Derby Week, Christian. How have you been this this festive time of year? I don't know why it's festive, but festive Derby time of year. Yeah, festive time is gone, mate. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's you know, I, just like Celtic, just a few games to go, you know, uh, analysis-wise. Um, I think you're leaving me again. Is it next week you're leaving me again? Next week I am going to Hamburg. So you, you're leaving me again. Have you not done this before after the derby? You, a, you, you seem to go missing. It's May Day. I mean, I need to... Like, insert Rangers player here. I will have been back at work for one week. I will need a holiday. That's true. You have gone back to work this week, haven't you? Today? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I had two Pablos in my class. That's not not a common name, but I had two of them in one class. Did you avoid doing a Keith Jackson? Yeah, I was. Uh, I mean, I asked the guy where, like, what the script was, and his his dad was from Cuba. So okay. I've got an, I've got an O'Connor in the class as well, which is which is bizarre in Germany. Bring him in, yeah. Bring him in, yeah. Well, well, I hope. I, hope, I mean, you, how, how do you commute to work? Let, let me. I drive a little bit to get over this bastard of a hill, park, and then cycle the rest of the way. I got I've got one of those folding bikes. That you can fold and put into the back of your car, and then I unfold it and cycle the rest of the way. Ooh. How does that make you feel? Yeah, strange. So, so you go, you drive up the hill, up up and over the hill, and down the other side, and then park when it gets to flat, and then cycle from there. It's not part of the point. Actually, doing the whole thing as a it's, cycle. It's it's a very very steep hill, it, and I can't. I'm not doing that. No, not doing that one bit. Okay. So, also, also today, uh, listeners can't see this, but you've been told to be quite closer to the mic. So it's you're very close to the screen. Enjoying that? It's mm-hmm. it's like when like uh, HD came in for the, like the the news readers. Yeah, uh, makeup. You see everything. Oh, you, you don't need uh, anything. It's oh, okay. Thank you. So Derby, Derby, but you're getting ready. Before that, you're you're getting ready for. Uh, I don't know if you you can mention. You're, you're getting fit for a wedding. I don't know if you want to mention the name of the wedding person. No, <laughs> you, you don't. But you are getting you are getting fit for it. What what is the what is the routine? What have you adopted? Well, I've I've got some holidays as well. Um, I think you know we hit our age, um, Graham. You younger yeah, so so um, I, I've I've taken a very scientific approach to. I've been hanging out way too much with Stephen Russell and, and Kenna. Is there a, is there Excel tables involved? 
I haven't actually told him about this, but he probably will set one up okay. when, when he listens to this. Um, but it's, it's a really simple equation. You have, you know, um, a set amount of calories that you, you mm-hmm. burn naturally every day, and you have to create a deficiency mm-hmm. in that. And if you do, you start eating away at your fat. And the only you way should you should write a book about that. People need to know. And, and if you know, if if you want to eat more, you have to exercise. So it's it's, it's very back to basics, but uh, as a simple equation. The, the depressing thing is that when you do like a lot of exercise, or you think is a lot of exercise, and then you realise you can eat half a Mars bar because of it, and you've been like sweating your ass for. So I'm 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 doing this kind of because um, I I react quite well. See, it's not that I've, I used to be fitter, right? That's what I'm saying. So I, I, I could eat as much as I want, really. But I really, if I'm going to do something like this, I, I need the numbers. Like, mm-hmm. I, I need to know what's in it. kind of, in a way, motivates me. Like some people, with, if they can't calories, will like get just really depressed. But I, weirdly, I kind of like it. So I've got this app, and you can, there's a barcode, and you can scan everything, and it gives you like how much that, and tell you what, like stuff like, like a bar of chocolate or crisps, that's like, you know, that's like a forty-five minute walk. Yeah. Um, but like, it's 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 an eight week thing, and uh, you know, it was just to get see, got to that bud. So I, I need to kind of just. Are you trying to get into a kill or something, or are you? I'm just trying to get into a medium. To be perfectly honest with you, Graham. <laughs> no, it's it's just it's just like a stone, just toning up a bit. This, so, how about you? Because uh, this is a tangent. It's not like we got thirty three images in Motherwell, uh, but because um, don't know how much you want to say, but you, you could kind of like had kind of diets and stuff. Like last time, you told me you can have just two slices of brown cheese. Yeah, how, how do you approach it? I'm not even. I'm not even having that now. I'm just. I've, I've gone off the brown cheese. It's sitting in the fridge, staring at me, and uh, I'm, I miss it. No, I'm. I'm doing the same. I'm just. I just. Do a, I don't do I don't have a fancy app. I just record it manually on a piece of paper my calories and then just try and go for the deficit. Uh, but I do have the, the Apple Watch that does like anytime I go for a walk or a bike ride and stuff, it tells me the calories I consume, so that's quite handy. I'm a, I'm a drone so far. The big data. That's what we're talking about. Cool. And we can link that into the football now. <laughs> So I want to start, I'm going to change up the format a little bit going forward. We're going to start, because we never get to the news story, so we're going to start with Celtic news stories, then we'll do the Celtic game, and then if we get any time... Then we won't get to the other stuff. Yeah, for the the pesky world football stuff. But I think the most heartbreaking thing for most people in world football would be Bayern losing the... Yes. Couldn't be losing the Bundesliga. Um, It's strange when, 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 yeah, as... Myself, you, you have friends who are Bayern Munich fans. So it's, it's, it's a bit strange. It's there's none of the Schadenfreude you you, nice, you should nice. get. Yeah. What is what is that word in Norwegian? Scott the Fleet. There you go. Bless you. Mm-hmm. Um, no, like it, it's, it's funny because I was thinking about it today, and essentially, Bayern are going to lose the league because Manuel Neuer went skiing. Because like that, the equaliser from Mainz was Jan Sommer mistake, and he's had a few of them. Uh, where he's the the Bayern fans are just saying that he's too small, and yeah, it's, I, I, it's never been that good. I think Jan Sommer, but um, I I still think he'll win the league. Like you think? it's a restatement. I would definitely not get their plan Nebda. I mean, I think the hardest game is probably Wolfsburg at home. They've got three home games and two away games. Look at what. 
So, yeah. I, I, although I think I think it would be like stupid firing Nagelsmann. I know uh, anyway. And I think it's just, I've heard rumors that Oliver Kahn is on his way out. Uh, that's right. Yeah. See you all gone. Yeah. Well, let's get on to the, the, the stuff we want to hear about this week because it is the big game coming up. It is the Scottish Cup semi final. I keep calling it the final because it's basically the final. But it's a, it's a semi final. Um, we still don't have uh, the post. But fixtures, I mean, I was listening to the agenda and the guy was talking about expecting them soon and we still don't have them. Apparently, the Daily Record's reporting that um, the league are having crunch talks with Sky Sports. Um, essentially, Sky Sports trying to show as little as possible, I imagine, of, of the Scottish League. Um, and the police have um, said... Yeah, the police have said that they can't they can't fixture the... I don't know if you can use fiction in that way. They can't uh, arrange the the Rangers game for the first one back because they cannot have a title decider. So, which, do you, I mean, there's a part of it is kind of sensible, I guess. No, but I mean, they did come to our stadium at one point and win a title and have a big huddle. So, I mean, it's kind yeah. of I mean, the only league in the world that takes the drama away from it. <laughs> I think it comes back to the. The, the place football has still has in, I guess, polite society slash establishment in, in Scotland and the way it's viewed and the way police Scotland specifically view it. Of course, you can have a title decided. You should be having a title decided. That's how you should be setting it up. You know, it's, yeah, we've had a midweek derby now. Um, we've had, you know, Celtic winning the league against the Rangers. Um, and especially when there's no away fans. Like, Anyway, <laughs> it comes back to things that's happened so long ago. I mean, the last time Malin McCoyston nil and got a bit antsy with each other, they brought in a football-specific law because mm. people shouted. So it's 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 a symptom of the place football has a Scottish society rather than Scottish football itself. It's, it's ridiculous. And I wish SFA would... To be honest, just stand up with it sometimes and say like, "Oh, oh this is this is our showcase. We're going to put it prime time, prime time, and put in is prime time." Again? Yeah, it's going to come and you, you regular think Sky want to demand it as well. Like, I mean, hopefully they are. Good old Sky, yeah, the good guys. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's just, yeah, There's absolutely no reason why you can't have that, and it's it's leasing around. Football is so lazy and so based on stereotypes. I mean, take a cursory glance, you know, on um, the cynical last season we had Amanda Jacks from the Football uh, Federation, uh, Football Supporters Federation down in, in England, and she's done a lot of work on this. But essentially, we're like dismantling certain stereotypes and really outdated views among about football fans. But the issue was that those updated views came from the newly uh, appointed chief uh, police chief for footballing, right? So it, it's not going to be any better in, in, in Scotland in terms of the view the police specifically have of, of football, and it's it shouldn't be like that. And it's Celtic and the rest of Scottish football should just start standing up for its fans a lot more, and you know maybe not consider hiring some 
of the heads of, of Police Scotland because you know, it, it just shows the same distaste for supporters that you know the police establishment has. And my friend Stephen McGinty, he was he was the one I went to had season ticket with him for like eleven seasons, and he has twice got a ticket off of Dave Flanagan uh, to to go to the games just for like just because Dave couldn't make it. And the first one was um, a game against Motherwell where the Green Brigade were protesting. So we're staying, staying silent. They were protesting the appointment of that guy. And then the next time was uh, the one each on uh, Saturday against Motherwell. So yeah, two for two. Two for two. So Morris Ross, there was, Morris Ross was, he, did he not go to like Scandinavia at some point to do some kind of coaching? He played in Norway. He, I think, he was a coach in Norway as well, where he he got to know. No, he, he was a coach like third year. He got to know Ian Birchall there, mm. uh, and then he went to the Faroe Islands mm, uh, to do coach there. And then the route to every great manager thinks exactly. And then I think when Ian Birchall got the job at Notts County, he's like, "Oh, I'll bring Maurice Ross in." Ended the last about. Three games nice. until he said something, and I was deemed to be quite racist. That's right. So, yeah. Well, he's back in the papers. So I've him is. oxygen again. Um, he has the, the the article reads the three keys to Rangers beating Celtic. This former Ibrox star, yeah. star breaks down the tactics ahead of Hampton's showdown, and he actually goes into quite <laughs> a bit of depth. Is talking about Cal McGregor as the heartbeat. If he plays Celtic play, the Rangers managed to limit supply at Celtic Park on April 8th as he made 41 passes compared to 76 in the Viable Cup final. If they could do it even better at Hamden, then it could be massive for them. Uh, so he then goes into a kind of tactical breakdown with images and squares. Oh, I might uh, look this up. Yeah. Where if the squares as well. There's, so. there's squares. Well, it's actually more of a rectangle, but. Okay. If, uh, if Malik Tillman presses a square pass between Cal Starfield and CCB, then Alfredo Morales doesn't need to dovetail back into Cal McGregor, which is Celtic's outball, as one of the midfielders can push up on the Celtic skipper. He also says that he thinks that, uh, that Rangers need to go direct and they should be basically hitting early balls up. So he is actually saying the kind of things that we would say that Rangers should probably do against us. Well... It's- he, I, I enjoy the prospect of Tillman and Morales not sitting on McGregor because that, mm. does that mean Joe Lundstrom's gonna jump up on as he did in the League Cup final? Because that went well. I'm all for that. Yeah. Maybe he is a secret agent, Maurice Ross. So, but I'm gonna go and read that. And then when we do the, the preview, probably not with you, you probably, probably won't be asked back. Warning about for, for that. Um, we, we can, you can, we can have a Maurice Ross corner. Let's see what Gal thinks about Perfect. Uh, Neil Lennon's back in Scottish media. Tenants. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, apparently he was watching the Rangers Aberdeen game in Tenants last night, which is his want. Um, he insists that Barry Robson should be made the next permanent manager of Aberdeen. Yes. And he did, however, say, he did, however, caveat it with saying, if Rangers had gone one up, they would have gone on to win the game comfortably. Yeah. But kudos to Barry. So basically saying if, it, yeah. if they'd lost, he would have lost. But yeah. the ones that are kudos. <laughs> I mean, kudos to Barry. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just a request. <laughs> I, I think, think what do you make of the Aberdeen renaissance? I, I always enjoy a, a massive overperformance. And 
you know, clubs hiring managers based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry Robson is very much a uh, defenders need to defend first mm-hmm. kind of manager, um, which, you know, it's, I guess, um, an opinion. Um, no, I think, <clears throat> I think, well, we'll let Stephen Russell come in on that uh, somewhere else, but I think they're overperforming massively in terms of, you know, the last seven wins and, you know, having a quick look at stuff like the XG and stuff like that. It's pretty much all of them been been pretty tight. I think, you know, okay, they had, I think the hardest game, they were clearly, you know, um, better. But other than that, it's been pretty tight <laughs> for all those games. And they, yeah, they're on a good streak. But should they hire Barry Robson? It's kind of come to a point, though, where <laughs> it's seven games in a row. Um, certainly, it shouldn't be a big call, but it will be a big call not to give it to him now. So yeah. that's what happens. But and you kind of put any other manager that comes in a little bit on the back of it straight away. But I mean, depending on the manager, that might be fine, and they wouldn't mind that. But um, I don't know. I just I'm not really overly impressed by Aberdeen. This is still a team that has, I think, still has conceded the most XG in the league. You know, in terms of the the very poor defensively, and um, even with the focus on it, you know they haven't let in any goals in the last five. <laughs> I, I think let me see, like next year, seven or eight from instead. In the- <laughs> so um, and then actually have so, against of seven or eight, yeah, and they haven't conceded. They have not conceded. Uh, so it's, yeah, but so, I think it's something like ten of the last. Inside have about ten conceded XG for the last six games, and they conceded one goal. So that, that's what happens sometimes, and then managers sometimes get made permanent based on that. You know, um, you'd have, to, you'd have to see Barry Robson over a whole season to see yeah. you know, how he can imprint that. But it's just I don't know. It's just you shouldn't base it on the vibe. But my vibes with Barry Robson isn't. It's not giving me the best vibes. It's inherently the, the problem. Oh, oh no, with, so, Sunday was. Sunday was. That was yeah, a lot yeah. fun. That was awesome. It's inherently the problem with interim managers in that give them, you give them a few games. Give them can, a cup final. Yeah. They can, Get the league off the line. <laughs> they can, like, impress in those games. But do you think so? Do you think, I, I know the answer to this already, but do you think Dave Cormack is looking at the underlying stats to these performances and considering that, I mean as you said, the, the fans at the stage will probably riot if they don't, if it doesn't give it to them It's hard to tell the day, Cormac, but the thing, I mean, Ab- Aberdeen is still I think doing okay XG vice compared to the best the rest of the league, you know, they're still third or fourth thereabouts just over those set of games where he's been there, so I think he's probably got he's got Aberdeen up to a level where you expect him to be, and I think that's often what happens with a club like Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts, is that you have this cycle of managers coming in and underperforming because they should be the third, fourth, and best team in the country based on the budget. You know, that's it's one rule in football that you can almost always follow is that whoever has spent the most on wages will roughly also end up there uh, and the table. So we have this cycle of Managers coming into these clubs, underperforming, and then a new guy comes in and makes 
you know, makes them play really well comparatively because all they're really doing is still, okay, they're the third or fourth best team in the league where well, they should be anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, um, I was just thinking back, like in terms of, it'd be really interesting if one of those clubs got a, a very good manager and a little bit of, you know, the system around them and the recruitment and everything was like a little bit better, you know. But I just don't, just don't see it happening. So yeah, I think you're stuck in this cycle of underperforming, performing to the norm, and the norm being seen as, oh, this is great. <laughs> Whereas it's just where they should be. I think Aberdeen is where they should be right now in terms of performances and underlying results. And you probably want something more than that. So, but against yeah. Rangers, yeah, I want to aim well in that. But yeah. the thing about Aberdeen is they can keep their knuckles clean, as the old song went. I have not heard that song. Yeah, that was a child, childhood song from the 80s. Uh, Willie, Collum, Willie Collum is going to be the ref. Oh, or uh, the, the cup semi-final thoughts on uh, what they call him. Steve McLean will be the VAR. Yeah. <laughs> this mad guy is one of the old Mirror guys. I saw a tweet from him. He said, will they call him it's the last eight? So I think I won six on the Willicom Starbucks. So he's, he's not very good. But exactly, he had this thing. Is, is it? He, I think it was Philip Colum here. His, his, his couple of games, he was just getting in the way. Mm. He's getting in the way a lot. Uh, so, so long as, as long as they stay out of the way. Um, but I think for referees in Scotland, it's just overall, just the quality isn't great, right? It's, it's just not. Um, so, whoever you get, they don't really care because they, they could. Drop a clanger either way, no matter what. So, you know, I, 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 you know, you know me. I just foc- focusing on the squares more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Willie Collum, of course, did give a penalty with his back turned to uh, against Celtic for, for Kurt Bradford, I think it was. So, I mean, there's, there's always that. There's always that. So, uh, I don't, I don't even know if I want to talk about this. But Keith Jackson starts his column this nice. week with saying. Celtic might have flashed a bit of leg at Rangers on Saturday. Such uh, the pros on that man. It's just he's, he's really is wasted in f- football uh, columns. Um, he is. What do you? Obviously, this is a Celtic podcast. Well, it's a kind of general football podcast themed on Celtic. This one. Um, a lot of people are, are I've seen just from like huddleboard uh, threads of follow follow pain. Uh, that the the holds seem to be turning against them a little bit. I think the the things that we cringe at, they are starting to cringe at. The things that make them ick feel, they are starting to see as well. Uh, but I've got the impression that you and your your sort, your like, mm-hmm. uh, would not be. Delighted if he was kept on. You you prefer him to be shuttered uh, because you think he's actually got a bit of potential about him. I think you're attributing a lot to me there. Uh, to to, to with you. you <laughs> love Mike Beal, just admit it. <laughs> I I think he, I think it'd be good if he left because I think that brings them back into disarray. And I think if he left, um. 
it would be fun because <laughs> I think I think they would go super staunch <laughs> if we left out Alice. I think so, or they would go like super Brexit, like uh, Frank Lampard was as well. And I think, I mean, she's. Uh, I don't know. It's feels a tough one to figure out because, I mean, the, the results overall has you know has been good. I think, but every time I watched them, I was, I was like, I'm not really impressed. And then uh, it could be a case, okay, people always say a bit need a bit more time, you know, his own players and stuff like that. But this is this is a team that's like he knows so that they still play the way he wants them to play, and he's. You know, me and Stephen was talking a little bit today because, you know, looking forward to, to the derby, we were like, the last three games, he's changed um, the, the way Rangers are set up out of possession. And you, you go back and you go, it's fine with like, with like slight tweaks. And we'll talk this more about this uh, on the preview, I'm, I'm sure. But it's fine to do like slight tweaks within that. But to have three dogs in a row and very change your approach to out of position, like you organize block in such three big games of the same opposition. And, and like Celtic, you know roughly who's going to play for Celtic, you know roughly how they want to train, but, but it's done it three very different ways. And you kind of go a little bit like, yeah, he's, he's obviously thinking about that tactical setup a lot, but you're also going. Why are you tr- not are you not sticking to one thing? Because obviously, I, I think the last derby, I think because that, you know facing Celtic out of possession when Celtic's trying to build up, it's going to be such a massive part of the game. So you go, is he trying to like do much? Is he just doesn't know what he's doing? Is is he stumbling on something? I, I think he's maybe has a whereas maybe some manager you would want to. to you know, sit down and maybe think a little bit more in terms of a, a tactical setup and some moves. <laughs> Michael Bailey maybe he does it too much and he's trying to kind of find something that he, he doesn't need to reinvent. Um, as I said, you know, don't have to go into that a lot now, but I think the kind of four four two is set up a Celtic Park, the last derby. You'd think that was fairly successful in how much he prevented Celtic from building up from the back and okay Celtic might make some counter moves and if Ivata is in there it's a different kind of movement it's you know it's tougher them up but you kind of go surely he'll do that or very, something very very similar and then back in my mind I go is he though is he going to try something else and <laughs> maybe he's going to like, read Morris's Ross article and go um, you know maybe they see Ivata coming in it's like oh here's we're going to change it up again so no I think but honestly I think I think it'd be good if he left because I think it will left him disorganized. I think they'll go with somebody funny. And I think at least, well, I, I don't think this his style is more than functional. Uh, really, it, it is working overall in terms of getting that steady, consistent level of results. And I think you would see that next season as well if he stayed. Um, the squad would be interesting, but I think they will still pick up points from most teams even next season. And I don't think it would be like any sort of banter here. So, um, yeah, if, if you told me that, would you want Peel to stay or go for next season? I'd say go, because I think mm. the, the, the probability of hilarity would be much higher. Then. I think also there's, a, there's maybe, for me, there's a fear of getting back to the, 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 the dark old days, days of an actual 
title battle. <laughs> I mean, I think that I was saying last night, I think there's there's a whole generation of Celtic supporters that just don't they don't know the genuine stress of like basically switching positions with them week to week, going first second, first second. And it is it's fucking stressful. And it's, I mean it, Yeah, no, because even even like last year you thought like, oh that's a proper title list, but see that win at Ibrox and I was that early April. Mm. That was kinda it. Yeah. You know, okay, you had to you had to get the draw home just to kind of make sure, but it was you know, it was as you said, there wasn't anything close to what has been before. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I don't want, I don't want to see it back if I'm honest. I just but I prefer winning at Cantor. Can we can we just have that every every season? Uh, no, no, not allowed. <laughs> okay, we we played Motherwell. We dropped points. Um, the first team to take points off us at Celtic Park this season. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't great. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually quite enjoyed the first half, uh, but yeah, when when it went to one each, it wasn't a great game of football. We had a reaction to it on Saturday, which was me, Colin, and Eddie, uh, and then obviously guys spoke a wee bit about it on the agenda today. But Christian, you're going to tell us why the things we think are mm-hmm. not correct and why the things we don't think are actually the things to think. Yes. Okay. Well, tell I'll us. do. It. I'll do it in a friendly, non-patronising voice. This uh, voice. <laughs> um, so it, it's it was one of those before. You know, I was hoping let's just get a train now. You know, tactically standard, so I don't have to. You know, I can I can focus on the derby. No, there's, there's a lot of stuff to go through. There's, there's a lot of interesting thing to go through. I mean, you know, stats wise, I think the game's pretty much middle of the road this season in terms of you know XG difference and stuff like that. A lot of the Celtic had a lot of getting into Motherwell's areas, you know, in the half, final third, final post, like entries into Motherwell's half in control of the of the ball, second highest in the league this season, entries into the final third, third highest in the league, second highest versus, versus a bottom six. Entries into the penalty box, eighth highest in the league, but actually the fourth highest against the bottom 16 because they've been just running over Aberdeen and Hibs and Hearts in that kind of way. So against those kind of low block teams, they did get into positions quite a lot. And watching the game back, I think it was a lot better experience than, than watching it live, you know, for obvious reasons. But for me, when we sat here last week, when we talked about Kamarnock, and one of the first things we said was, this was a very good Celtic team against a really bad Kilmarnock team, you know, in terms of how Kilmarnock set up, how they actually executed that, and so on. But I, what I think you had on Saturday was, you still had a pretty good Celtic team, a really good Celtic team, I said, but they came up against a very good defensive setup. So... It, for me, that was a really interesting game in, in terms of you've got Celtic doing a lot of good things, but you have a defence that's really testing them. Um, we, so, we we spoke on the, the uh, kind of preview on the weekend update about the massive gaps they were leaving, and I mentioned this on, on the, the re- reaction. What changed? Because I didn't see massive gaps. I, no, me either. Um, I think... A lot of it, again, as I've talked about before, 
you know, you, you think you're going to, if you're facing a team, okay, you hope they're going to play against strangers, but before that, so you can kind of see how they play. But it's been difficult to, to, to take much good use for it because it's a very much a different kind of, in one way, a different setup. It's not, I don't think the way Motherwell set up against Celtic was huge different from what, and, and like the actual shape was that different, but it's just what did they within it? Like, how they were organized because the lineup was pretty much the same. Like what kind of expect that, that five, three, two and on the face of it, seamlessly going into image one and two um, on the face of it, it was your standard five, three, two, you know, spittle. Um, it would cover usually Celtic's deepest player. Um, although we get back to that, uh, it's Ivata in image one, it's McGregor in image two. And then they had, as you can see in image one, quite a high line, leaving very little space between, you know, the back line, the midfield line, and, and the forward line. Like image one, you can see it from one angle. Image two, you can see it from another angle. How quite that standard five three two, but doing it, you know, a lot less space. Maybe a bit lower than I guess. Maybe not a bit lower, but that compactness of the the lines, you know that. Not one line is huge. It's like that Rangers game where like Van Veen and Spittle were just pressing high and, and everybody else was sitting back and it was just, it just felt a lot less organized. Whereas I think when people come, especially to, to like teams come to Celtic Park, they're like, okay, this is something different. This is where we really need to have a hundred percent focus and the shape and tactical elements are, are, are key. So from the front, like from the start, okay, five three three. We've seen some of these things before, but Motherwell did it, do a few kind of interesting things within that that I thought worked really well and kind of elevates them a little bit in terms of all those teams that have come and done a five three two against Celtic. Had a few tweaks that I thought worked really well, but then so so we can go to, go through them and, and and have a look. But then I also want to see how. Celtic countered that and how well they actually did. And then we can talk a bit about you know a few different kind of players as well. But so what did Motherwell kind of do well? Like I think image three and four is about Blair Spittle. Now he's he, there's a couple of instances in this game where he's his pressing isn't great. <laughs> McGregor's goal is one. There's a couple of other examples where he, he lets Sibata. Uh, I think there's one coming later up. Ivata goes past him in the build-up, but what was good is that he, he could have had some issues with Ivata and McGregor changing, you know, who's the deepest midfielder so many times and that kind of movement. But what I thought Spittle, and maybe, you know, Catwell, um, overall set of well, is that he, Spittle wasn't stuck to the deep pivot. He would, you know, it, it was not like he followed just McGregor, just Ivata. He would usually pick up whoever was the deep pivot, but he would also pick up if there was a free man and if the situation arose, he would join the midfield tree, become a midfield four, and and, and kind of cover either side of that where it was needed. So I thought that was quite clever. Like image tree is like Mudwell's um, has an attack, balls going, I think it was called Starfield. And you can see in the first part of that image tree is that players, you know, patent the other, you know, one of the centre midfielders, looks set to fall down 
into his kind of left center mid spot. But Spittal kind of signals that he needs to stay in the middle and pick up Ivata while Spittal stays on McGregor. So that's just a sensible way of Motherwell for making sure Celtic can kind of exploit a quick change in those positions between them. And the same in image four again. Here's Spittal, because of the situation arises, he doesn't feel the need to go and jump on the deep pivot. He lets Patton sit on the deep pivot and he covers um, Ivata in that case. Um, so often when you get that, these teams come to Celtic Park, especially get the strikers and the attacking midfield and go, I could just sit on the pivot. And often you can kind of bring them around, you can move them around, you can, if the pivot goes wide, if McGregor goes wide, you can follow them. But it, it kind of makes sense because Celtic were never really able to exploit that they had one specific man on the pivot, even though Celtic changed the pivot a lot. So I thought that was good. But when we talked a lot about the centre back jump, right? Um, you know, when they have a 5 3 2, one of the centre backs of the position jumps up into the midfield line to make sure like there's there's not an overload from Celtic in that area. And yeah, Motherwell did this really well as well. You know, image five, there's a quick switch from the right with Taylor coming inwards, so quick switches between him and Ivata McGregor. Because of that, Matt O'Reilly has been able to drift beside the midfield tree, kind of good space. But because there's so little space between the lines, you know, the midfield line, and then you got a defensive line from Motherwell just a bit after, it's very easy for them, that centre-back, to jump up and kind of compress that space. Image 6 is just kind of another example of that, where ball goes wide to Greg Taylor. Matt O'Reilly again sneaks behind the midfield line, and Taylor kind of moves in it. He finds Matt O'Reilly in, in space, but there's so little space, and it lets Butcher kind of jump right up on him and doesn't let him turn. Actually, Image 7 is just what my, my O'Reilly's solution to that. He kind of drifts wide and he actually, Maeda drops inwards and there's a really nice ball in that almost creates a good chance. And I think that's an early example of good defense by Motherwell, but also good kind of solution for Celtic and more of that. But, Graham, well, now we talked about a lot of this. This isn't new. Like, this isn't new. You know, the midfielders jumping up. In the last example, it's, it's something that sticks out. There's something different that Motherwell is doing in terms of that one of the centre-backs that jumps out. And there's a little pop quiz here. So it's the person who jumps up on Matt O'Reilly is Butcher, who is the centre middle-back, the centre, central middle-back, middle-back, centre-back. I'm getting so excited. I can't talk. Uh, The middle centre-back who who jumps up. So, So this is the quite a little tweet, but I thought worked really well for Motherwell. Um, so Butcher is the middle centre-back. And if you look at image six, he is almost at the edge of the penalty box when the ball comes in to O'Reilly. So Motherwell's penalty box. So you usually then expect him to only have the wing back beside him at wide. But in that tiny, tiny space, you know, it's edge of the penalty box after the touchline. He's got Paul McGinn and Max Johnson, the wing back. So, like so the first to the right backs. <laughs> well, so, so I saw that and I was like, I started looking out for it. And there were so many examples of this where Motherwell pushed three, three players in that back line 
all the way all the all the so over so what you usually get in these circumstances is that you have if the ball for example goes wide or in the half space you have the wing back on the Celtics winger and then you kind of have one of the center backs kind of in that space between you know the wing back and the middle center back and then there's usually two center backs on Kyogo you know because they, they don't want one of them as well what Motherwell did they had that little tweak where they sent out two of their center backs to be pushed right up. And then they left only one center back on Kyogo. So image eight, you can see it's, it's a few, <laughs> quite a few examples, but image eight, again, Matt O'Reilly has found some space between the midfield tree because Patton is way too far away from him. Um, so they can't get the ball to Matt O'Reilly in the first instant. But that's partly because of look at Max Johnson, the wing back, again, and Butcher, the two centre backs. Mm. They're all really wide. And you see when the ball comes into Matt O'Reilly a few seconds later, they have two players covering that kind of half space, that kind of dark square up in this image. That is the space that Celtic love to attack. Love to attack. So I don't think there's any coincidence that instead of having a, a wing back, and then a centre-back to look after that. they got two centre-backs. And if you look in image eight, the last part of it, you see that Casey, the left centre-back, he's the only one looking after Kyogo. Again, I- image nine, you see it again. It's a nice rotation from Matt O'Reilly and Taylor where they switch position. But again, Motherwell got three players waiting for them in that kind of tiny half space. That That's where Celtic wants to attack. You know, that's the pure Angeball thing. Mm-hmm. And if you look at in the image nine on, on the right hand side of the image, Butcher isn't even looking at Kyogo because he knows Casey's job is to look after Kyogo. He follows him. Image ten again. Once I once I once I saw a grim, I can stop seeing it. Um, again, it's like Matt O'Reilly's got the space after a quick build up out on the left. The midfield tree. Uh, well, Matt O'Reilly's coming behind the midfield line. Like he's, he's in a really good position. Greg Taylor's got the ball out on the left. Matt O'Reilly is in a really good position behind the midfield line, just in front of the defensive line. But again, Motherwell has three defenders already waiting to protect the half space. You know, they're doubling up on Mayeda and then a spare. Because again, if you see the second part, it's Casey's role to, to look after Kyogo. And then you got three. I mean, image 10, like, you look at Butcher, who's like, again, he's almost at the edge of the penalty box, but he's got two other defenders up from him out to the touchline. So, you know, what, what, I can so, stop seeing it, Graham. There's, there's more, yeah. I want to go. Well, so, I mean, obviously that, that worked really well because you can almost leave, uh, pay less attention to Kyogo because Kyogo would be the second pass after getting into the half space. It's not as if we'd go straight to Kyogo from Greg Taylor or something, or we don't often anyway. But when it comes to that, what did the what did Motherwell lose? Because I mean, they, they've they've obviously got so many people in that one wee bit. They must have lost some other aspect of their game, surely. Well, if if you think about it, they, they kind of all they really lose, all the kind of times we've seen this kind of formation against Celtic is that the one player they don't go man against man on, like nominally. It's Kyogo, they got two on him. And they had the first centre-back to jump up. But they prioritise, actually, 
as you would in a back four, really, in these simple circumstances, one-on-one with Kyogo, and then put that extra man into that half space. Because I think they knew if you can give Celtic as little space, a little time as possible when they build up, especially like when they try to go wide and then try to come back into the half space and so on, to protect that space and to have two centre-backs kind of ready to jump and swarm everybody. Okay, like, if, okay, if you have a really good ball into Kyogo, he could be one-on-one, but you still got one centre-back, you know, this, and because there was so little space between their lines, even if the ball came over, it's not they're not a million miles away from, you know, the other centre-backs to, to get back and help out. And then they also have, like, the left wing-back, for example, in this case, is that, okay, he would maybe look after Harks Saksabanovich, but he would then if that happened, he could jump in as well. So you, there's a little bit less presence in the middle and on the far side. But I think Modwell just prioritized swarming Celtic um, when they were trying to build up one side and kind of restricting space for them. So it's it's one I'm going to start looking at for a bit more, but I've never really seen to, to that degree. You know, it, it, Image 11 is like that classic, Greg Taylor movement. Like he moves inwards to then let Starfield send the ball wide, setting up. So he's got Cal McGregor out on the left hand side, you know, on his left foot. And then Taylor does that run. He always he attacks the half space. So he's running behind the midfield tree, running away from them. Well, Motherwell just completely smothers out that space straight away because they've got three players there instead of two. Right. And Again, image twelve is 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 the, is the same in terms of uh, there's so much going on in image twelve, and this is, I think this is the last one we do on kind of um, on Motherwell. But it's a there's a lot going on. So Starfield takes the ball deep into Motherwell's final third. Motherwell sitting kind of like in a five for one, but you can see there's eight Motherwell. Outfit players in this very tight space. So, what are we talking about here, Graham? Like from one half of the pitch, like mm-hmm. vertically, and there's from the edge of the penalty box to the middle of the penalty box. There's about ten yards between the lines, but yeah, you know, the left hand side of the box to the middle of the box. You can see how they prioritize just overloading players where Celtic is trying to build up, and you know Celtic's there's lots of running going on, there's lots of movement because but. You know, but Spittle is, is all the way down, so it's a midfield four. It's like Casey, the left centre back, he's come over as well. So you have, you know, that back five, you know, four of them are on one side of the pitch. Um, even though the ball is like, it's not like it's really wide either, but they just kind of compress the space, put all the, you know, as many players as they can into one side of the pitch and kind of swarms. And so it just shows how little space Celtic had to which well. And like the clever tweaks of Motherwell were in this kind of system, you know, that attacking midfielder and spittle kind of not being too stuck to the pivot, like picking up when he needs to, and in that moving that extra centre back over as well. Because Tom, Tom, you like Van Veen was doing no pressing. We'll get back to him, but he was doing no pressing. So you know, this had to work. Uh, is it so? Is it too arrogant to say that? Ange being at Celtic is all, almost acts as a kind of like weekly coaching education 
for the other coaches. I mean, obviously the other the plankton are not going to listen to this podcast, so it doesn't really matter. But you know what I mean? Because this is obviously something Kettlewell has to think about this against us. He doesn't have to think about this against Rangers, but he has to think about this coming up against Angelo. Adventures play in a very different way as well. Like so, but as you say, like there's so many teams who set up in the same way, and you can kind of see that evolution of slight tweaks between. Because when we talk, to, I mean, we have to find something to talk about when the teams play in the same way every every week. But what you see is like there's slight tweaks in what to do with the second striker, how to do that, how to move the centre backs up, you know, where to put the line. But as you say, I think that's a good you know, way of describing it. You can kind of see you have this wealth of information. <laughs> all these teams setting up against Celtic in a slight different way. Celtic, they have the same principles in terms of how they want to play. And you can always clearly see like Kettlewell studying that. His analyst studying that. He's going, okay, here's the tweaks we're going to do. Okay, we're, we're going to move Butcher over and sit one and one with Kettlewell. So, yeah, it's 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 kind of like a UFR, UFR Ange course. Well, you listen. Uh, yeah, well, it's, 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 it didn't work out for us as a weekend. So Celtic tried to obviously counter the countering one thing that can have uh, it will be very it will be too simple for it to have been the actual solution but it, from looking at the images it feels as if you, I just wanted to say to the players switch the play like because there's the massive gap in the other side of the pitch is that that's that's, too simple you think no I, I think it's it's one of those where if, if you're able to do that um, there should be a lot of space you know, but I mean, for, for example, if you, if you look at image 11 there, just so you have obviously Colin McGregor's got the ball out quite wide. I think Motherwell was quite good at even stopping the, like those kind of diagonals as well. Because like there's some ball you have to hit to be able to do that. And obviously Alistair Johnson in image 11, he's got a defensive responsibility as well. He, he needs to stay a little bit in the middle in case you know, the attack breaks down. So, but yeah, I think you know, games like against Samir in a way, the first game, you know, that, that switch would have been a lot useful. And it is a case that I think you've seen a lot when you've faced teams with a midfield tree that if you get that quick switch over, for example, from the right, Greg Taylor is really good at coming in left and kind of picking up those spaces. And, and it did happen. Like, it's, you know, it's not... I think that's the the weakness of doing what these teams do is that since you only really have a midfield tree, you and you keep your back five, like the wing back so low, that's always going to be only one of the weeks. If you are vulnerable against those really quick switches, and that's part of the why they have the centre back try to jump out, but that's difficult as well. So yeah, switches, Graham, S- fucking switcher. That's right. I mean, I don't really. I'm wasted, and this I should be. I should That's be a head coach. But maybe you'll get to Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, but, but that's you know we already talked about one of the situations where Matt O'Reilly finds Mayeda in the box. It's like Motherwell did something. Okay, so they tried to find a way. So because here's the thing, like, well, Motherwell did really well and they had some, I, to me, interesting tactical tweakers, tweaks, tweakers, tweaks, um. Celtic were finding space. Like they were getting to chances, they were getting to dangerous situations where their offensive play was working really well. So I, I noted down 10 examples, like eight from before the substitution started, two between the subs when Matt O'Reilly comes off, or of that later, of what I thought were like were just really good 
Celtic attacks in terms of like movement, speed of passing, like you you name it. Like I'm not going to do all ten. Well, actually, I get it closer, but I'll, I'll, let's do four of them. And and like if like listeners, if, if they want to see the image, you can have a look at them. And then we can. But I'll actually bring up a couple of the others when I talk about a couple of the kind of issues as well. But but you know, well, before I go through them, Graham, because that first half when you came into halftime, it's like I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, it was just at one goal, but it it felt good. My my friend, uh, the guy that went to the game, he he was quite kind of down on it at, at halftime. Uh, but I thought it was just I thought Motherwell defended the penalty box really well, but we were. Yeah. We were pretty incisive when we were moving the ball pretty quickly, and I don't know. But I, it didn't. I didn't think it was going to go anywhere close to the way it went eventually. But I, no, I wasn't. I wasn't down on the first half. Definitely. No. So as I said, like against Gilmarnock, if you set up like that against Celtic, like this players, this movement, that speed, it's just going to overwhelm you and run over you. Motherwell set up a lot better, but. You know, this I've kind of spread this a few examples from throughout the game here, but I said I could have had more. But image thirteen is one of like obviously one of the key movements. It's 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 Taylor that comes all the way around the right hand side. So I've kind of marked the Motherwell midfield trees marked plus Spittle, but you can see that Ivata and O'Reilly has found a little. It's not much space between the midfield line and the back line, but they found it. But because Taylor comes over. The key here is if you look at Dace Maeda. So Dace Maeda, Kyogo is on the butcher, the middle centre-back. But Casey, the left centre-back, is not able to jump out because Dace Maeda has come in and he stands right next to him. But Greg Taylor makes the run all the way over to the right-hand side of the side of the penalty box, which means furlong, the, the left like follows him, which creates that two against one in the middle. Uh, so you have the ball goes ball goes out to O'Reilly, nice con- from Johnston. He plays Nevada into the penalty box. So just all sorts of movements going on. You know Taylor coming over, uh, dragging people around. O'Reilly and Nevada placing themselves both of them behind the midfield line. O'Reilly gets the ball. You know, great technique, nice pass. Really dangerous situation. It's Nevada cuts it back. Just, just doesn't fall for me either. And then those Frank Sabanovich on coming up back, and then, but well, it's kind of a different situation where they managed to get to. Like image fourteen is a little bit later in the half. It's a bad press from Blaise Bittle. Uh as Ivata receives like the ball just outside the center circle, and you can see in image fourteen you got Sabanovich, Taylor, and Matt O'Reilly all on the left hand side, ready. So Spittle doesn't follow at all. Ivata can take the ball in lots of space and he, he lots of time. He's got the space to run at that midfield tree. He sends it to Matt O'Reilly. And so you can see he's facing those, facing those three defenders that we talked about. But I think Casey's a little bit too far away from Kyogo. And Kyogo has kind of made that run from the right and, and behind. And the ball is, I think the way O'Reilly has to hit it, it's not. He can't get it right in front of Kyogo because the pass would have been intercepted. And like Kyogo's touch is just slightly off, but that, that's a really nice passage. But like it's slightly bad pressing at the start. Boom, boom. And Celtic's so close to get a Kyogo one and one. 
Um, what were in the second half, Graham? Image 15. It's like, I see a box. I see a box. I, I put that box especially on for you. So it's a really great attack again. Like, Alistair Johnson got the ball on the right. right. And then again, as we talked about for Ivata, Matt O'Reilly places themselves behind Motherwell's Mitchell Tree while McGregor and Greg Taylor sits in front of them. It's a box midfield. you got two guys in front of the midfield tree. you got two guys behind it. Um, Johnston sends the ball out to Haxabanovich. If you look at Matt O'Reilly's run wide, pulls sent back Casey away. So it leaves the passing lane from Miyabata and opens up the passing lane to Miyabata. Miyabata makes the run into the penalty box. His touch back to like Alistair Johnston it's sublime. It's so good. It's like kind of, kind of, kind of almost back seals it right into the path of Johnson, who's, who's made a good run. And he, as, and also like, um, Ivata's run, obviously I pulled two center backs away. So Kyogo then receives the ball in space, one over one against one versus McGinn, which we talked about before. Like, this is the weakness. You've Motherwell's kind of focused putting two centre backs out wide, left one on Kyogo. There's so little space out, but because of the movement, the placement of players, you know, players running, dragging other players away, you get Kyogo one on one with Paul McGinn right in the front of the goal. Kyogo does well. I mean, it, it goes past McGinn like it's not there, but, you know, he drags the shot just wide. It's a really, really good attack. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not against and it's against the Motherwell team that's still you know very organized. It's on it's still on one 0 but that's that's a tough thing to play through, and, and they do really well. Um, but I've saved the best for last. This is this is my favorite. Um, it's, it's even over two images. Image sixteen. It's this is one one actually. So there's a there's a clearance from Motherwell. Starfield stops it on the center circle. Is sends it to Ivata. And what you, so this is image 16 that happens. You can see about that gets the ball. Then image 17, it starts. So there's within not many seconds, there's 11 really quick passes up, down, sideways, players moving about. You know, there's Celtic's got seven outfield players pretty much on the right hand side of the pitch inside Motherwell's half. Motherwell's got nine players behind the ball. You know, Van Veen, of course, is the only one behind it. So there's not much space to pass. There's 11 quick passes up, down, players moving uh, about all of Celtics midfielders and the two fullbacks are among, like, are on the ball passing it. It ends up with Ivata. He sends a great ball between the lines to Matt O'Reilly. And his kind of turn takes it away from Casey, who's kind of gambled on getting it. And then Matt O'Reilly kind of takes the ball towards Butcher. But then he kind of does this slight reverse angle ball to Kyogo, who's been like a like sensational run from behind McGinn. He starts in the office position, he goes in behind McGinn, he doesn't see him, and O'Reilly's like a really nice true ball to Kyogo. And to be honest, it's, it's a really, really good stop by Liam Kelly in terms of yeah. the way it comes out. And it's like it it looks like he's just there, but he times the decision to go when he goes. You know how far he goes. Like it is really good goalkeeping, but that attack, man, that is such a good attack against a really well organized block. This has left you so little space, so you kind of go. That's just if you talk about that's just kind of quality on both sides. 
Uh, it's quality from Mudwell. It's, it's quality from so it's 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 great goalkeeping. So it's just usually you uh, basically tell us that things aren't as good as we think it is. But here you maybe um, get the impression that you say it wasn't as bad as people think it was. Well, I think we'll get to the bad, right? There is there is things in, the bad, right? but e- even within the bad, I think there's 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 hope. <laughs> but yeah. I've, Goals clouds like kind of emotions and how you feel about this thing. So it's, I think everybody was frustrated on Saturday. In fact, it's like, oh, it's just a bad day at the office. And you go back, it's like, yeah, but I mean, Celtic played at times really well against a really good organized setup. It's not just a team that sits low, like this, you know, what we praised Celtic for last week. You can praise them for again. And it Mm -hmm. is. Kyogo's chances, some of the other ones, some of the cutbacks is, uh, you know, and, and the, the goal, I guess, is just a freak one as well. We get to that, but it's so no, I mean, in terms of not to jump ahead, but in terms of looking forward to the derby, you kind of go, you know, this is okay. I mean, the result's not great, but the performance and mm. what's happening up until the subs, we'll get to that. Um, I'm pleased, Graham. I'm pleased. I like that. It's it's unusual to see you smiling. I'm not sure. I know. I know. It's bizarre. Well, let's wait till the subs. You want to see me smile? So one one player that's been getting a bit of criticism, uh, even played for myself, uh, has been Haksibanovic, and he 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 doesn't look as good starting games as he has when he's come on. Mostly because when he's come on, he's had big moments like scoring scoring goals, essentially. I thought this was one of his better uh, games from a starting position, but still, I think you've written down here that he is very, very right-footed. Well, what, what do you mean by that? So, so we, I think it's something you should never really do is have an opinion on a game when you watch it, because I said, as part of it, that, oh, you can see why Haxabanish hasn't started that much. You can kind of see it. I mean, you said like, oh, I, th- I thought he's had one of his better games. And I th- to be honest, watching the game, I think the rewatch, it's in one way kind of Jack Sabanovich when you watch it because it's, but in different ways as well. So I put some images in and images aren't great for, but like image 18, for example, is he's very right footed. So when he starts on the right, you know, there's two examples in image for 18. They both actually start with him getting the ball out wide and making a really good run in. It's just when he gets to the middle of the pitch, because he's so right-footed, both times he tries to, I think he probably makes the wrong decision both times. He tries for the really difficult one. Like one, he's tried to side foot um, with his right foot, a ball to Kyogo. He's got like two centre-backs right on it. It's really tight where he's, you know, he can play as to Cal McGregor. He can, if he uses his left foot, he can look at the space Matt O'Reilly's in, for example, on the left-hand side. And the other part of that image is when, again, he's kind of pressed and he tries to chip with his right foot over the centre-back, right? Like, again, he can use his left foot. And when he, image 19 is when he tries to use his left foot, like, he, you know, well, he needs to find better passer are the most difficult one. Not being left footed doesn't help. Like Ivata does a really good run across into the penalty box. 
Axelbanish couldn't really slide him just in. He uses his lift this time, but he kind of he looks down at the ball. He's aiming for Matt O'Reilly, but he's you know it's it's a doable pass, but he just slides it straight to like a motherfield uh, motherfield motherwell player. And and when you when you put them over on the on the left hand side, which is you know. It should I think you know you can see why he likes to cut and then use his right foot because when he's cutting in here from the right, you often then have to use you often have to use your left foot. But when he's on the right, I think image twenty is like just two examples for me where the first one he's surrounded by five Motherwell players and he's just inside their half. He's got nobody really around. He needs to hold up the ball. Instead, he kind of goes on like a dribbling spree. He loses the ball. Second one is he's much closer to the goal. Is on the on the left hand side again, but again he's surrounded by players. There's no really now. There's no the first one. He's maybe too far away from the the goal to start dribbling. Here he's probably too close to like the goal line to start dribbling. Again, he kind of gets lost. So you have the case of um, he's cutting in from his right, not being able to pick a pass because decision making or because he's so right-footed. And then when he's on the left, he kind of holds on to the ball a little bit too much. But to be honest, the weird thing with a lot of those situations, see when he lost the ball, he does a really good defensive work. You know, he's, I think that's the one where he tries to chip, um, I think it's the one with the, when he does, when he tries the ball to O'Reilly, but doesn't get it. He tracks back, wins the ball, and then he sends a great ball into Mayeda when Mayeda hits the post. He's got the most tackles in the game, Graham. He's, he's, we'll get back to it. He's got the second most pressing in the game and second most counter pressing. And I think what, what Haxabanov is, is the kind of, the talent is there and the, the skill set is there to be successful in this, the system. And he's adding kind of the defensive work in it as well. And it was kind of just, I don't know. Um, there's a few of the decisions and the executions of it mm. that weren't great, but you kind of go. That's the things you remember as well. Yeah, and it is. And it's, there wasn't a great game by him at all. But at the same time, you kind of go watching it back. I'm like, see if it starts to darken, I'm okay with that. It's kind of you like know? the fundamentals are there. It just needs to perfect it. I think so. And I think Jota took a while. I think he's he's kind of early job in a way. It's like I think he holds on to the ball a bit too long, in, in maybe in the wrong areas. When he's on the right hand side, he like he cuts in, but you can't really use his left at all. And you come back to that what we talked about before. I think We Joe uh, was on to us as well, saying uh, he likes being We Joe. Um, <laughs> why? You know, both him and Jota. I think, well, I think that kind of Jota, especially his creativeness from, from right, has been underrated. You can really see with Haxabanish in this game, you know, some of the issues when he's on the right, but also some of the issues when he's, he's on the on the left in terms of then holding the ball too much. But, and, and it, like, they did switch up with Mayada as well. And it, you kind of, I guess it's that question of if, my, if you'd more, would you want want your more technical player um, on the side he's more comfortable with, and then your less technical player, Mayeda, who, who does the running, can he just go on the right? But there's obviously something in terms of the combination with the fullback or anything that Ange likes. But 
it was he didn't have a great game, but it was I don't think it was like you you can see it's hard to you can just kind of tell that he has the skill set to make to click in the system. Mm. He just needs probably just more time in it, and he needs to he needs to improve within it. But uh, uh, it, the standing position where he is now, it's more about it's not like he's missing something in his skill set. Like he, he's got all the materials to be really good in the system. A lot of the players don't have that. But they, they apply themselves and they've improved within the system. But I think he, he has it. And I, to be honest, after watching it again, I'd be fine with him starting the throw. So when it comes to, obviously, with Rangers, they're one of their main attacking threats as a right back. When when you're talking about that that way of working that he's had to uh, Hexbanovic in the Motherwell game, would you be would you be more tempted to put him up against the venue or Maeda? I reckon they're going to switch anyway, but mm. I, it, 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 okay. <laughs> a lot of the defensive work he had to do is because he lost the ball first, but I think he does have that in him. Um, <laughs> I think weirdly, like a derby might suit him a little bit better as well. You know, it's because you, you won't have that much time on the ball. You need to release it. He is good at going past players and kind of getting out of those kind of, Tight spaces, but you know, in more about the you know players pressing him rather than trying to be three, four players from the standing position. So again, I'll beat my head on the left and Hexabanish on the right starting, but I, I think they can switch it up. But um, like defensively, yeah, I don't think really, I mean, it's, it's Tavernier. I mean, it's I don't think he's that dangerous to be honest with you. It's dangerous for free kicks and penalties, but you know, it's it's not like you need to double up on them anyway. I did enjoy the the, the battle they had in the League Cup final in my and That was that was fun to watch. You you can see him being like taking him to the cleaners as well, I suppose. Yeah. One one thing that was not fun to watch and it was something you clicked out and, and sent to me yesterday. <laughs> it was uh, Carl Starfield. Um I, I think I always when 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 they first came in, I actually preferred Starfield over CCV because I, yeah, it just reminded me of a really good on on the deck defender, like, like just a really good tackler, basically. But that clip that you sent, where he, I'm just going to describe it to the listener. So yeah, they, you, they, you describe it. Yeah. it's he, a video. He, yeah. he, he passes he passes the ball to Taylor. Taylor passes it back to him. He passes it back to Taylor. Taylor passes it back to him. He passes it back to Taylor. This is all in uh, about the halfway line, and then he kind of he, he gets the ball. He looks up to see if there's anything going to happen, and then done the, the, he kind of pirouettes back the way, and then runs back towards his own goal. Uh, he's, I'm losing patience with him a little bit because I just feel as if. That for the evolution of this team, we need we need better when it comes to being able to play. And I know that the agenda spoke about it a lot today, but I would just like to see someone in besides CCB that can that can make sharp passes, and we, we maybe have them. Hopefully, we have them. But yeah. I would like I would like if if Kobayashi is going to be that guy, I would like him to go up some games. And built up to possibly play in this cup uh, semi final, but that's never going to happen now. It's, it's it's going to be staff out again, and we're going to have the same problems again. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of Starfield's issues is simply that he's on the left. Not not uh, you know that there's 
Image 23 is, I think is a good, you know, Stephen Russell, uh, you know, wants his right sided center backs on the left anyway. But, um, I think Image 23 is, is an example of if it's, if it's got, for example, a left foot, you know, he can, he would find Greg Taylor, uh, as Ron as well, because it's on his right. He's, he's not comfortable kind of switching it over, but, but the all day, I think Starfield's deficiencies on the ball shows up more because he plays on the left because that's so much of Celtics play goes down the left and you you're required to kind of mm. do that kind of passing there. So I think if you put CCV on the left and Starfield's on the right and you ask CCV to do what Starfield is doing most of the time, I think you'll find the same issues, right? And but having said, I, I was kind of like you as well. I thought he was underrated for, for quite a bit, and I thought you know there's there's nothing much between him and CCV. But I've not been impressed with him lately, and I think he's he's always had the same issues with you know carrying the ball out. But even just defensively, I think, and it's again this is quite random, but he's he's had moments in really big games defensively where it's, it's you know. It's slipped from him as well. So at this point, as I said last week, for me, Kubayashi is the better alternative. And I think there's definitely an argument to say, look, well, you keep CCB and Starfold until the end of the season. You don't want to like upset that now. But it's, it's, in these kind of games, it's always be an issue. It will be an issue. It's just that the degree will be an issue and the impact of it. And by the issue, I mean, not just him, but CCB and Hart, and to some degree, we'll get to Malister Johnson as well in terms of that build-up play, right? So, Image 23 is one. I sent you the video, but it's... It, image. I just want to talk about it quickly about Image 24, um, because I'm actually going to go on to give Starfield and CCB some compliments as well. It's, image 24 is, is example of something I find it kind of difficult to show and articulate but and kind of evidence in terms of numbers but it's that I for me the center backs is one of the causes that Celtic sometimes not arriving in the final third they arrive in the final third a bit too late and in a slightly worse position that than if things were just going a bit faster so you they usually end up a little bit more wide in less space than if the ball had just moved faster. I mean, we talked about, and we talked about all of this before. It's not about line splitting passes or beating a centre by beating three forward. It's having a clean technique, clean hit on a strike. Don't pass like you know. You you should set up the next pass with your touch. And image twenty four. Starford. This is like, there's three images of one. Starford receives the ball here, Graham, from I think it's maybe. Uh, if Fata who's out there, he's just inside his own half. There's nobody around him. The ball isn't going fast. He takes three touches with his right foot before the second image, which is he's moved three yards. It's so slow, and he's kind of dragging his ball over the feet. It's like in between his legs. Even with how slow that is, he's he can still hit. Craig Taylor with his right foot. And if he does that, Celtic is arriving in that final third when they want in a good position. It's a bit more central. There's a bit of space between the lines. And also 
I've tried in the middle part of it. I've tried to kind of look at the space Mayeda can run into if Greg Taylor gets that ball. You know, Starfield hits that pass, even though he's dilly-dallied uh, on the ball a little bit there. If you hit Taylor, Taylor can receive it, turn, hit Mayeda running behind because there's still lots of space behind the defensive line. Starfield instead goes to McGregor. You know, it's, it's nothing terribly wrong about it. But then the ball goes out wide. Craig Taylor goes out wide. And then he receives the ball from Ivata four or five seconds later. But at this point, Craig Taylor is wider. He's got less space always out wide. There's less space now to attack for Mayada behind. And he's from a more difficult position. So it's just, it's about arriving into the final third a bit quicker. And if you do that. They've settled their two right backs in positioning as well by the time exactly. it gets there. And And there's nothing particularly wrong about it. But when you when you look at Kobayashi, it's this it's just a clean technique. And I think uh, sometimes I think people feel like, oh, we're demanding so much from our centre backs. You have to defend and they have to ball. I'm not even asking for fan tightness. I'm just asking for a general competence. Like general just decent technique on the ball, decent first touch. Hit the ball. I mean, hit the ball properly. I, a player like Starfield, it's like he's miscues the ball half of the time he hits a pass. Mm. I, it's like could be probably actually just sips it. It feels like. But the, the reason why I would bring that up is that because these two centre backs, they also do have it in them. Like example, example twenty five, image twenty five, example twenty five. Yeah, um, image twenty five. That's what can happen when centre backs move fast and you play the ball early. It's not even a super line splitting pass. It's just quick, crisp, decisive, easy passing. So that Starfield moves the ball up a lot faster. Two touches takes him 20 yards. Decisive ball to Matt O'Reilly. As soon as Starfield is into Motherwell's half, that allow O'Reilly to turn around, hit AJ. AJ's cut. He's going to run into the space because they arrived two, three seconds earlier. Mayeda's making his run, attacking button. And, you know, Johnson sends the ball to Mayeda. He hits it in. Image 26 is CCV kind of doing from the back. You know, he's got the first line of press coming towards him. He looks up, he sees Ivata straight up ahead for him. Quick, decisive. It's not a professional footballer can do that pass, but a lot of times Celtic center backs a bit too fight. Hits Ivata. Ivata can turn, he can hit the ball to O'Reilly. So CCV's pass to Ivata. Gets past the first line of press. Ivata's past O'Reilly. Gets past the past the second line of press, and then Ivata hits a ball behind Kyogo, behind the third line of press, and it's just Liam Kelly comes out and just takes it. But see if you get your centre backs to pass it a lot crisper, a little bit quicker, a bit more confident. They're going to be so key to Celtic's possession next weekend. They those centre backs have to make the right decisions. I I, I don't think we've got time to cover Alistair Johnson who. Uh, very quickly, I thought had some really good runs. It's just his passing and his, his decisions when he gets to that. Um, but they have to hit those passes early. The tendency are there, but overall, they are still the weakest link in that buildup, and they need to have a good, brave day on the ball on, on Sunday. Um, and that means don't be safe, but also you know don't fuck it up. So. Let's talk about because we are pressed for time now. Let's talk about the goal we considered. Talk us through it. Um, I, I think it's 
it's you said it. He's a Greg Taylor gets stole back and. Uh, the only issue is that it's, it's not so back and it's Kevin Bloody Van Veen. It does that. I think, I think it just shouldn't turn that way. I, I think that's, you know, he's, he's doing everything right. And I think Van Veen kind of. Taylor shouldn't turn that way. Do you mean? Sorry? Taylor shouldn't turn that way. Do you mean? T- T- Taylor shouldn't turn that way. Like he, he shouldn't, you know, because Van Veen goes to go centrally and then Taylor goes, okay, I, I need to. Turn to my right so I can kind of cover his run. But I mean, like, never turn you back. And I think that he gets those two, three yards to kind of get into the penalty box. Had Taylor not turned that, he, he would have pressed him a bit wider uh, and had it. You know, people are talking about kind of in Joe Hart do better. I mean, Statsbom has, Image 27 has the XG at the time of the shot, a 0.19 post XG shot that you explained on a reaction as well, 0.58. So it's it's jumped up like 0.4 XG in terms of that comes to do with the, the placement of the of the ball by Van Veen and then the kind of the placements of the goalkeeper. Um so yeah, it's, it's just one of those. Like I think we know Greg Taylor's like he's I think his main weakness is that kind of if you can isolate him one on one, like so back and dead and run at him. You know, is is probably one of the weakest sides of his game. Having said that, he's you know happened against Hull back and it hasn't happened all season. Even in the Champions League, I think it's been you know good defensively as well. Um, but I think it's just a case of you can kind of see why he turns to his right, but he needs to kind of do like almost a three sixty because of it. And had he just kind of faced him up, uh, he probably would be able to push him out. But it's just. In that case, it was just a bad day. And what did you make of uh, Joe Hart in goal? Uh, I, I think for me, his positioning is I'd rather he either go further out or stay a bit further towards the goal. It's, it's kind of like the half distance between it that you either stay on your line or you go 100% straight out. So to go out and stop and then wait for the shot. It's never a good idea, according to uh, especially friend of the pop friend friend of the pod, goalkeeping stats supremo uh, John Harrison as well. And uh, Joe Hart just hasn't been making the big saves anyway this season. Um, and he's been, you know, I don't think he's been terrible. Like, but he's also been he's he's been an average goalkeeper this season. Um, and then I think, especially in Europe, Celtic's going to need a bit more than that. Oh, you, you, I think you're mute. We can't hear you, Graham. What has he done? Oh, there we go. Sorry. There we go. Uh, I think that's been the problem this season. It's not as if he's been, there's been massive clangles. It's just that he is not really going above and beyond in a lot of the, 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 the situations. He's not really pulling out the massive, beautiful saves or anything. And, and that proposition of, okay. Shot with his legs, but he makes up for the four saves. I mean, you have to make up for it then. Mm-hmm. Like, if Fraser Forster did, it's a different kind of team as well, but he's not. Yeah. So I, I don't really see the upside of him anymore. I just want to go on to the next thing on. on I know you do. I know you just put again. Because you, you have written what happened after Bubs. Uh, so I just wanted to know who, who Bubs is. UBS. Bubs, man, Bubs. But I think. We don't have a, a lot of time left. I like how it's what, what happened the, after subs. 
colon moi. <laughs> As if you've answered the question. I, 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 we got a producer today, so you know the time constraints are a bit more. I just think, yeah, it's image twenty eight and image twenty nine. Image thirty is just some of my usual Aramoy gripes. Um, I'll, I'll ask you about him a bit later, but overall, so you don't have much time. Celtic, as I said, I thought they were playing well up until the subs. I think they had elements after the subs comes on as well. Um, but I really do question the subs. And I think with Aaron Moy, David Turnbull, yeah, we know the weaknesses. We know the strength because we highlight the weaknesses every week, I guess. I don't think Ash covers himself in glory with the substitute. I think it's as simple as that. I don't think they make sense. That's in what I said of, in the reaction. It's like we're, yeah. we're less likely to win the game with every passing sub. But Phil, Ab- absolutely, and it's not just okay. Yeah, obviously, because we're in our echo chamber, we'll, we'll sit here and say, "Look, we'd rather have Matt O'Reilly or Ivata on the pitch in the midfield tree than Aramoy." But had it, had it, had it been likes for likes, there were so many like putting. Okay, fair enough. If you want to go four four two with Kyogo, no, okay. Not the biggest fan, but you can see the logic of that in one way. But you, you put Kyogo out wide. And he, so not only did you lose Haxabanovich, he hasn't had a great game, but he's, he's, he's a natural winger. He, he's on his, you know, he, he, can, he can create from there. And you also go at that point, do you maybe just put Haxabanovich on the left and then take off Mayada? Mayada? But and then, and then obviously Riley came off, Kyogo stayed on. Turnbull comes and then, but then Vata and then Kyogo comes in. And so I, I, th- I thought the midfield tree were, was really good. I don't think you have to mess with that midfield tree at all at that point. Mm. I, I think that's where the creativity comes from. I think, okay, Vata, yeah, it's, I, I, I think it's all right. I think it's pretty promising, but do you take Haxabanovich off for him? Because, you know, at least he's, he's got that trickery around the box. And, and as I say, see if you want to have O on the pitch. It's Kyogo. Should, should you keep Kyogo as well? Because I think Kyogo got the ball out wide so much and he got it like around the penalty box. But that's, it's not terrible at that, but it's not his game. Like I'd rather have Haxabanovich for seeing me out wide, getting it around the penalty box and kind of tread passes through. So I just don't think the subs made sense in terms of who you've replaced with two balls like the formation as, as you said Celtic were I thought really good but they think they're trying to find solution towards a really good model set up for like 68 minutes and from the 68th minute it gradually got worse and you, I think you got less and less likely to to score like, I think I had image 31 it's just you created from crosses quite wide like Celtic had 21 open play crosses. Um, but six of them comes from 79th minute after O'Reilly comes in 15 in the first 18. So Vata has four of them and Moy has two. And that's that's all Celtic created from, especially the, after... The yellow O'Reilly. ones mean that it didn't connect? Is that right? It, it, it didn't connect. But I mean, this crosses so, unless you hit your man. Yeah. It's, but... Yeah. And it's a couple... I mean, the old chance is big, you know, and so on. But... That's, that's a bit more across from really out wide and chuck it in and see what happens. And it was like there were proper, there weren't cutbacks and everything. It's just, you know, I'll put it in. And hope. And hope. So uh, 
the subs didn't work. Simple well, as. Let's end on image 33 because I think this is quite interesting. Tell us about Matt O'Reilly and his pressures because that's well, a fucking massive number. Matt O'Reilly. Okay, everybody knows if you listen to this, I'm a Matt O'Reilly stan. Um, I just hope I tried to go to school. I'm a stan because what he does on the pitch, even though he hasn't had any moments, he keeps doing the same things in every game. And I think he's so valuable to this team. I, I, you know, I think it was Eddie that gave him man of the match. The reaction, I agree with our uh, friend from from Long Island. Um, I, I thought he was really good, but the thing about really, I think he's good on and off the ball, but both offensively, and defensively. I don't think he gets near enough enough credit how what he does off the ball, attacking wise and defensively. For example, in this game, you can see the duality of the man. Uh, image 32 is just right before he's taken off. Even at that point, you know, he was setting off the best chances. He's got 12 open play passes completed into the penalty box. So that was the most in the team in terms of getting that ball into the box and getting it to people, uh, players who could think under control. But image 33, like the way, obviously, if you're playing attacking mid for Celtic, you, you're likely to have quite a lot of pressures like Tom Burchick had it as well, but Matt O'Reilly consistently has a lot of pressure. So he has 25 pressures. So there's like putting up opponent under pressure, 25. Haksipanovic has the second most with 19. Let's pick up Kyogo has 15. Dice Meira has 13. You know, so there's a, there's a huge gap there, but if you look at something like the average duration of Matt O'Reilly's pressures, like how long does each presser, how, how long does it press for <laughs> in, on average and pretty much all the players are around half a second 0.4 of a second Matt is up at 0.8 seconds mm. and in terms of how many pressured action fails that you know he failed in you know disrupting the ball or you know forcing a, a bad pass or forcing them backwards he only fails seven after 25, like his, his completion rate is, is also really good, but gig impressing, you know, that's one habit that's within five seconds of a turnover. He's got nine hacks of animation, six, and he's got the second most interceptions in the game. Like the Starfield that has more than him is a center back, obviously. He's the second most tackles after hacks of and he's in. Seven defensive duels. He was more defensive duels than McGregor, Ibata, Johnston, and Maeda. Like, I think the work he puts in, as I said, off the ball specifically, is he doesn't get enough credit for it for me. And then, like, his qualities on the ball, everybody can see. And that, yeah, sometimes some of the passes. I don't know if everyone can see it. <laughs> if you've been on Twitter.com <laughs> after the game on Saturday, because not everyone would have seen it. But I mean, that's. I, I don't know why this would. I, I don't know how he's ended up in some sort of culture work because he's he's, he's a young player, but he's, he's class and he's 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 so good for the system in terms of as I said, like his movement. Celtic have the ball, but his movement. Like how many times we didn't even mention. Sometimes we go through all these chances. We go, oh, there's Matt O'Reilly. Oh, he's popped up there. He's popped up. There. He's in the space. Mm-hmm. He's made He's always there, and you know, on the ball, you can kind of. You can see his qualities, but defensively, he's he's absolutely 
such uh, intensity in, in his pressing. And maybe it's like the way he looks and his gangliness. Even going back to like the Ibrox game in January, like is his pressing the, you know, essentially causes the first Celtic goal as well. So I've, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of him. I, the only time I haven't been a big fan of him this season has been in the six because I don't think he suits the six at all when he was there. But um, no, you, you have a nice dilemma there now. I think would I don't think Hatati is going to be ready, but. I think you have four midfielders there now with Devada, McGregor, Hatat, and Riley. Whoever you are really play, I, th- I think you have a good combination of all the skills you need to make that midfield tree really functional. So, yeah, no, it's just probably another great team. Well, we'll have to wrap it up there. Uh, give me a, a quick prediction for the semi-final score-wise. What do you think it will be? I think it will be... 2-1 Celtic. I think, I think another 2-1. I don't like these scary scorelines. Give me a 5-0 or something. That's, that's a lot less scary. Okay, 7-4. That's quite scary as well. <laughs> uh, that, well, that's the track Frank at Real Madrid. Okay, that's seven right. Four. Yeah, there you go. This has been the review, and we will catch you down the road.